Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, today we profess the truth that you sent your Son to suffer under Pontius Pilate. Lord, as we look to you, as we see what you have done for us, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill us, would come into our hearts, and, Lord, that we would see the great work that you have done on our behalf, the great love that you have for us in your Son, and how we might live in grateful response. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. This past week has been a tough one for our nation. It's been filled with tragedy. We have once again seen what a a heart that's been turned toward terror can unleash upon the people around him. And most especially for me this week, the thing that really struck close to home was um, the, the tragedy of little two-year-old Lane Graves and him getting pulled into the water by an alligator and losing his life. It wasn't this past November that my two girls were on the very same beach within just a few feet of the water that little Lane was pulled into. God calls us to grieve with those who grieve and to mourn with those who mourn. And this morning, I know that our hearts are heavy and that our prayers are with the families of everyone who has uh, lost their lives in the past week. Suffering. It's a reality of the world that we live in. We inflict it on ourselves. Others force it upon us. Sometimes the world just kind of seems to break through into our lives to cause it. Many of us are suffering right now as we sit here in this sanctuary. There's been some recent traumatic change in our life. There's some physical pain or illness that we can't seem to understand or deal with. There's a relationship that's been very important to us that seems broken beyond repair. We're under spiritual attack. Or there's a spiritual longing that we just can't seem to fill. Suffering. Whether it's in our life or in the life of someone that is close to us. It's a reality of our daily existence. And that reality makes us want to ask, why? Throughout history, different worldviews and philosophies and religions 
have given an answer to the why. Some tell us that suffering isn't real. They deny it. It's just an illusion. I guess it's like the matrix. Atheists acknowledge the reality of suffering. But because there is no God, and ultimately there can be no right or wrong, suffering can have no meaning, no purpose. Suffering just is. Others tell us that suffering is something that if we work hard enough in one way or another, that we can either escape from or evolve our way out of. Buddhism says to escape and to deny our desire and reach this spiritual place called nirvana, and that will end our suffering. The Enlightenment urged us to have a better understanding, to educate ourselves more, to scientifically advance. It said that we could evolve above human suffering. All of those are answers. I wouldn't call any of them good. Most importantly, none of them are true. Does God give us an answer? Does he respond to humanity's collective why? God, if you are who you say you are, if you're good and loving and all-powerful, then why does this world that you created and that you so love have so much suffering in it? God, if you are who you say you are, why don't you just make it stop? You see, the problem with our our whys, though, is that they can quickly turn from the type of why that my kids ask me when we're sitting in the car together and we're driving somewhere. And they can quickly change into the why that shakes our fist at God, that actually sits in judgment of him. When our whys become that kind of why, they begin to sink down into our hearts. And our hearts get hard to God. And they can actually make us turn away from God or refuse to hear his voice. You see, I know that's true because in a time of intense personal suffering in my own life, it's exactly what I did in turning away from the Lord. See, suffering can be a tremendous obstacle to our peaceness, our faith. Even for us who follow Jesus, this issue, the issue of suffering, brings us to our knees and makes us shout out and cry out to God. We believe, Lord, but help us in our unbelief. Have you been there? Are you there right now? God loves us so much, though, that he does something much more than answer our why. 
See, God and the faith that we profess, they point us to Jesus. You see, we confess that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus suffering. That is God's response to our why. We believe that God himself entered into the world and voluntarily chose to suffer. No one could have forced him to do that, but he chose to out of his great love for us. Jesus knew suffering. You see, the ones who should have believed him most, his family, there was a time that they came to him and they said he was crazy and they tried to put him away. Jesus knew the suffering of rejection. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan himself for 40 straight days. Jesus knew the suffering of intense spiritual attack. A man that he spent three years with, a man that he trusted and loved, that man sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew the suffering of betrayal. His other disciples scattered and left him in his moment of greatest need. Jesus knew the suffering of abandonment. Religious people, they plotted against him and they planned about how they would kill him because Jesus threatened their positions of influence and power. Jesus knew the suffering of injustice. Pontius Pilate, after declaring him innocent, pronounces the verdict that he is to go and die on the cross. Jesus was beaten, stripped, scourged, and mocked. Jesus knew the suffering of intense physical, and emotional pain. When it comes to suffering, our faith doesn't deny something we know is real. It doesn't deceive us into believing that it's something that we can escape from or evolve above. And it doesn't discourage and dishearten us by saying that this is just the way it has to be. Instead, our faith points us to a suffering servant. Our faith directs us away from our self-centric why and points us to God himself. C.S. Lewis, who should probably be standing here and teaching this message to you rather than me, he talked about this particular question in his book, The Problem of Pain. And there he wrote, the problem of reconciling human suffering with the existence of a God who loves 
is only insoluble as long as we attach a trivial meaning to the word love and look on things as if man were the center of them. Man is not the center. Our faith doesn't dismiss or deny our suffering, but it also doesn't make us the center of it. Our faith directs our gaze upward to the one who suffered for us. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. But why? Why would the one who could not be made to suffer, why would he choose to do that for us? It's what the prophet Isaiah saw the answer to more than 800 years before the birth of Christ when he prophesied this about Jesus Christ. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus' suffering was a necessary aspect of his redemptive mission to the world. In his suffering, Jesus absorbed the full force of human hatred and malice, and he drew it up into the sphere of God's divine, immeasurable love. He suffered so that we might be reconciled to God. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. Our faith gives us the one true answer to the problem of suffering. It points us to Jesus. Our faith calls us to reflect upon what Jesus accomplished through his suffering and his death on the cross. You see, the good news is not that God has an intellectual answer for the problem of why. The good news is much better than that. Jesus confronted suffering head on, and at the cross, he dealt finally and completely with the root cause of our suffering, sin. As one of our fathers in the faith said once, Jesus reveals the meaning of history, the meaning. God suffers for sinners, wiping away their sins. The gospel is, is that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate to save us from our sin and the wages of that sin, an eternity of suffering apart from God. And the news gets better. Jesus promises that a day will come when he will make suffering stop. It is what he revealed to John in the book of Revelation. 
There he said that when he returns in glory, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things will have passed away. Behold, our Lord Jesus makes everything new. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. So how does what we believe change how we live? How does it change how we experience suffering in this life? How do we live in grateful response to what Jesus has done for us? Faith transforms our lives and it transforms our experience of suffering. It's because we believe in Jesus who suffered. We can trust that God uses the suffering in this world and in our lives in a way that is good for us and brings glory to him. You see, in the 12th chapter of John's gospel, Jesus said that through the things he would suffer, through his being lifted up, that he would draw all men to himself. So we can say that because we believe We know that God can use suffering to draw people to himself. It's what C.S. Lewis again was talking about when he said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences. But he shouts to us in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's just like the nervous system in our body tells our brain that something is wrong when we're hurt or injured, and the pain that we feel makes us attend to that pain now. In the same way, God can use the suffering that occurs in our lives to draw us and point us to him. You see, suffering brings us to the end of ourselves. It shakes us out of our self-sufficiency. It tells us and teaches us that we really are not in control. It is in those moments that God can grab the attention of even the most strident atheist, the most comfortably oblivious agnostic, or even the follower of Jesus who has decided to walk apart from his Lord and his God. It's through our suffering that we can be brought to our knees before the God who wants to be known in our hearts, to be the Savior of our souls and to be the Lord of our lives. Because we believe, we know that God can use suffering to draw people to himself. We also know that because we believe that God can use the suffering in our lives to make us more like his son, to make us more like Jesus. In John 16, Jesus promises his disciples exactly the opposite of what some teach in his name today. There he says that those who follow him will know suffering in this world. 
But he says to take heart because he has overcome the world. We must never believe the lie that God's chief aim in our lives is our comfort. God's love for us calls us to something so much greater. His will for us, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, is our sanctification. God's desire for us is not comfort, but conformity to the very image of his son. This is what glorifies him most. It's what we read about in the letter to the Hebrews about the life of Jesus himself. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who believe him. In Christ's obedience, he perfectly responded to the most undeserved, the most unjustified suffering that has ever been endured in the history of the world. It was a response marked by submission to his Father's will, by deep humility, unfathomable patience, and unmerited grace. In the midst of our own personal suffering in this life, we look to Jesus' example and pray that God would give us more of the Holy Spirit so that we would be empowered to live and to serve and to love like Jesus does in the midst of the personal suffering that happens in each of our own lives. We ask him to empower us to make even those moments of suffering to be to his glory, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Because we believe, we know that God can use suffering in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Finally, because we believe we know that God can use suffering to reveal his kingdom in the world and to build his church. You see, way back in the third century, there was a devastating plague that swept across the ancient world. Historians now, looking back on the symptoms that were described, think it was an outbreak of smallpox. In Rome alone, 5,000 people were dying a day. The Roman authorities used this plague to persecute the church. They blamed Christians and said that the plague was a result of them failing to worship the gods of Rome at the time. But as panic overcame people and many people fled their cities and their homes, followers of Jesus remained. And in the midst of even their own suffering, many Christians lost their lives to the plague. But in the midst of their own suffering, they went to people at great personal cost and ministered to them as everyone else had abandoned them. And when the dead bodies piled up in the streets, it was the Christians who buried the dead. This was the church following the example of Jesus by not isolating ourselves from the suffering that's in this world, but actually entering into it and demonstrating the love of Jesus through it. You see, I see God doing the same thing through Snack Pack for Kids. The reality is, is that a hungry child is a suffering child. 
And what started a few years ago with a desire to see food insecurity eradicated at one school in this city, Lamar Elementary, has now become a citywide movement that's embraced at more than 14, 15, 16 schools and by many churches and nonprofits. This summer, 450 children throughout San Antonio will not be hungry because the people of God were willing to enter into the suffering of others and show the love of Christ to them. And as his kingdom is coming in the lives of these children, I see God building his church. There are people that would never step foot in this sanctuary that are becoming curious about who Jesus Christ is because of the love that they see his people showing to the kids in this city. And I see the church living into its true identity as the church looking for kingdom collaboration and not settling for competition that has too often marked us. It is just as Jesus said when he gave disciples his new commandment of love. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Because we believe We know that God can use suffering to reveal his kingdom in the world and to build his church. We believe that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. And because we believe, we can be sure that God can use the suffering in our lives for his glory and for our good. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for your one true answer to the reality of suffering in this world. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave us your son, the one who is the suffering servant, the one who endured so much suffering and the full wrath of you, God, on the cross, also that we might be reconciled to a relationship with you, that the relationship that, might, that has been broken by sin would be restored through him, and that we might come to be his brothers and sisters, adopted by you, a part of your family, and Lord, conformed more and more every day into his beautiful, perfect image. Lord, in the midst of our own sufferings right now, We ask, Lord, that you would deliver us from them. But we also ask, Lord, that in the midst of them, that you would use them for your glory. That people would see Christ in and through us, that his fragrance, the aroma of Jesus Christ would waft into the lives of others because of how we deal with suffering today. And thank you, Lord, that suffering won't always be, but that because of what you have done, it will end in your almighty power and for your great glory. We ask all of these things gratefully in your name, the name above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.